Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by exalting the glory of God, sharing and showing the love of Christ, and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now here's this week's message. Uh, But here's the thing. For many of us, when we're waiting for a family member to return, uh, like when I was a child, I ran away. My assumption was that while I was gone, those few hours that my mom was praying, um, she was probably too angry to pray, thinking of ways to like punish me. But I'm I'm guessing she was praying. uh, And when we are waiting for something, a family member to return or a family member that's sick, we're waiting for them to get better, or uh, we're waiting on anything really, we're waiting on a job, we're waiting to hear back. Uh, about a relationship or, or anything, we probably pray, right? We, we spend time praying to God, hoping that God will kind of make this right. And we started off this year uh, with a series called 21 Days of Prayer, where we spent 21 days in prayer and fasting and, and kind of putting all those things that we are praying for before God. But here's the harsh part, not harsh, but for some people it's harsh part of the reality about Christianity is sometimes God doesn't answer prayers the way that we want or as soon as we want. So uh, you don't have to raise your hand, but just think about this. How many people have things that they are praying for that like, yeah, God, that's still, hopefully that's still on your your checklist because I have not seen an answer to that prayer yet. Uh, And I spent, I went instead of 21 days, 31 days, 30 days of prayer fasting, and there's still a couple of things, some personal, some for our congregation, some for our community, I'm like, God, still still waiting to see that thing happen, that thing carried out. Now, here's the thing. Prayer, weird thing, right? So there's there's two parties to prayer. There's either the individual or, in some cases, the family, because families pray for things together, or congregation, organization. That's, that's one part. The other part is God, right? That's the other part. And sometimes it seems like they're not connected. And um, I want to share this with you guys uh, because this is, this is in my head, which is a scary place, but in my head, this is how I imagine prayer. So I just need you guys to work with me, all right? So prayer, sometimes, uh, I know we're smack dab in the middle of winter, and this might not make sense to a lot of you guys. Does anyone cook out during the winter, like you still use your grill during the winter? All right, so for those guys on this side of the room, you'll get me. Uh, the rest of you guys may not understand, but um, I was thinking about, like, oh, man, I would love to have some barbecued ribs the other day. Uh, and it was during my prayer time, because sometimes when I'm praying to God, I get interrupted by thoughts of food. Uh, and I was like, you know, this, this is kind of reminding me what prayer is like. Because when we pray, we have resources that we can use to pray, right? So when I cook out, How many people love to cook out? You're the grill master, or we think we are, you know, the grill master. Just me? Then you guys, okay, yeah, okay, all right, good. So um, I actually have a couple of things I use when I pray. Now, some of you guys, we're the mechanics. We're the mechanics, right? Mechanics build stuff. All right, you guys spend a lot of money on what? Tools, right? And no one complains, like, oh, my gosh, you just spent blah, blah, blah on tools, and you keep buying and you keep adding tools, uh, and then, of course, you need places to put where your tools, so you spend money on that and cabinets and shelves and all that kind of stuff. So I do that, but not with tools, but with, like, barbecue stuff. So this is my, like, 
pride and joy for barbecuing. And I only bring this out if there's big, like doing a big barbecue, you invite a lot of people over, right? And of course, I wanted it to come in a case, and I hate when it gets washed and not put back in the case because, you know, it's organized and it works for me. But when there's little ones, and I actually got this from, um, where's Marty? She's not in here. Marty gave me this for my birthday uh, one year, I forget a few years ago. And this is kind of like a smaller version, and I love it because it also comes with a case because I like things organized and neat. And this one is kind of like when I'm just making, you know, I want to go throw something on the grill for myself, then I'll make this, this little tiny one and all that stuff. And so, uh, and I know some people, how many people do the charcoal grill? Not many. Okay, you have some, some, some purists like charcoal because charcoal, you know, natural. And a lot of us will do the, how many will do either or? Gas, charcoal, doesn't matter. Nobody does. Uh, will, yeah, whatever's going to cook the food, you know. Uh, although charcoal does have a flavor. Anybody does, does the, like, smoked meats? You have a smoker? Yeah. See, there's some food purists. All right. So the same is true. Just like mechanics have tools, just like, you know, if you're grilling, you have specific tools you like. The same is true when we pray. When we spend time praying, there's certain tools that we're told that we can use that will help us in our prayer life. One, of course, is the scriptures. Oops, actually, I went way too far. Uh, let's get past that, sorry. Uh, one, of course, is the scriptures. Am I going the wrong way? I'm lost. Can you find the slide about the scriptures? Okay, uh, so one is the scriptures. God gives us the scriptures. He gives us his word. And uh, um, during one of the Bible studies, I forget which, because they're all running together now, um, we went through praying the names of God out of Scripture. I think it was the one uh, at Judy's house. We went through praying the names of God out of Scripture and then praying the names of Jesus out of Scripture. And then we dug into, you know, what does that mean and how does this help us when we pray? Uh, and here's another one. And time doesn't give me enough time to focus on this one. We'll come back to it further down the road, not today, but a few months down the road. But praying in tongues, I know that's very divisive in some churches because some churches say you shouldn't. Some churches put too much emphasis on it, but it is a biblical asset. It's listed in scripture that that's what people did. But then the other one is uh, just fasting, like what we just did, fasting and prayer, uh, kind of putting food aside and saying, hey, I'm going to spend time in, 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 in just praying and put the things that my body needs aside and focus on what my spirit needs, time with God. So a lot of uh, different tools and resources we have to pray, but here's, here's, here's the thing. Um, sometimes when we do that, when we pray, even if we use the correct tools, just like with a cookout, if you use the correct tools, sometimes it can feel like one of three things happen, okay? Now, uh, hopefully, uh, when you're, and I've had cookouts at some of your houses, and sometimes I've shown up with something, some covered dish. This is actually belongs to one of you guys from whenever we met here, but uh, some covered dish, and you'll show up, and yeah, also take home for leftovers, although if it's a good cookout, shouldn't be any food left. Everybody should eat till everything's gone. Anyway, but sometimes you'll show up, and everyone can say this has happened. You show up, uh, you've got your covered dish, you knock on the door, you can smell the food, you can hear the noises inside, so all your senses are engaged, and you're like, oh, this is going to be awesome. I smell the food. I hear the people looking around. You look through the window. You can see, like, 
meat being thrown onto the table, not thrown, but put on a table. And you're like, this is going to be great. The door opens, and then you walk in, and you get to enjoy, right? You, you don't have to wait. All your senses are engaged. And that's kind of like when prayer, when we pray and it's answered quickly, we're happy. When you go to a cookout, everything's ready. Because there's, I won't say nothing worse, but it's, it's not the best. When you go to a cookout and you show up and it's like, hey, we're going to start at 1230. And you get there at 1245 and they're just defrosting the meat. And you're like, are we serious? Yeah, that's not, that's not cool. So um, when it's answered quickly, though, and you show up and everything is ready and everything works, you're like, oh, this is awesome. Good to go. Everyone's happy. But then here's the other thing that happens, right? And this has happened to probably some of you. Um, you show up, got your covered in hand, you knock on the door. You can't necessarily smell the food. You only hear a couple of sounds. There might be a car in the driveway, like, yeah, I think somebody's home, but I'm not sure, because there's only one car. I only invited like 30 people. And so you run around to the back, and you don't see the smoke rising. So you don't know what's going on. You come back to the front, and you're knocking again, and you're knocking, and you're knocking, and you're not sure. Are they home? I mean, I hear a little bit of noise inside. I think I smell food, but when I go around back, I don't see the grill. And that's the same way. When you're kind of praying, but you, I know someone's there. I can see the movement inside, but I'm not sure how soon I'm going to get in and eat. And that's the same thing that happens with prayer. I know God heard me. And this happens sometimes because there's some people, when you pray, and then when you're done praying, like the phone rings and it's answered prayer, uh, and it's answered quickly, that's great. When you're done praying, you wake up the next day and you've been praying for a job, and all of a sudden people are calling you for a job. That's great. But sometimes it's, you know what? Uh, phone's not ringing. It's been a little while. I know maybe some people are interested. I know some things are going on. I feel in my spirit that God has answered, but I just don't know when. I know God heard me. I'm confident that he heard me. I just don't know when it's going to be answered, right? And here's the worst one, because this is the one that happens to a lot of people, and it is when you show up and there's no car in the driveway. There's no lights on. And it looks like there is nobody home. And you're knocking, and you're knocking, and then, of course, you decide, you know what, let me call them. So you pull out your phone, you call them, there's no answer. You look at your calendar, and you're like, hey, wait a second, maybe it, maybe it wasn't today. And you look, and you say, nope, it's, it, it says it was today. Maybe instead of noon, maybe it was at 2, and you check the time. Yeah, it's true. You go back, you look at the text that you sent between them, and said, hey, yeah, come to my house at noon. You don't have to bring anything. It's going to be great food. And you're like... I have no idea if anyone is home. And sometimes when we pray, we get that feeling like, I have no idea if God is listening. I don't feel anything in my spirit. I don't feel like I'm getting any answers. I've been at this for a while. Now think about this, because when you go to someone's house to eat, and usually if you're like me, you go hungry. So don't invite me if you want to, you know, not going to have like a lot of food. But um, if you go to someone's house to eat and you go hungry, your expectation is that, yeah, we're going we're gonna to eat. And your expectation is, yeah, something's going to happen. But there are times when you sit down to pray and you're like, is God really there? Did he hear this? I can't be the only one who's ever felt like, God, are you, you kind of hearing my prayer? And even if for here today uh, people say, well, I've never felt like that, 
biblically, which is reassuring to me, there are people who follow the Christ. Uh, there's a guy by the name of King David, and this is why we're going to look at uh, He wrote Psalm 86. Uh, he wrote a lot of the Psalms, and a lot of the Psalms were Psalms that he wrote when he was going through stuff. This particular one, uh, it was written by him. There was no specific time period. Like, he wrote some of them uh, when he was on the run before he became king because the previous king heard that David was going to be king, so what did he want to do? He wanted to kill him. So there's a lot of them he wrote when he was on the run. There's some of them once he became king, he's trying to juggle the day-to-day that he wrote. You know, just here, the, the hassles of trying to lead this nation uh, that he wrote. There's some that he wrote when he was king and he was dealing with family issues. But this particular one was just, uh, most theologians believe, a general prayer that he was reaching out, saying, hey, God, I kind of need your help. But whereas we're going to see, um, I really don't feel like you're answering not getting any response. So if you have a Bible, open it up to Psalm 86. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one under the chair, to the left, to the right, or somewhere around you. Uh, and if you don't have one, just raise your hand and we'll have uh, someone bring you a Bible. Uh, Psalm 86. And it's only, uh, I think, 16, 17 verses. So we're going to walk through it quickly. This morning, verse 1, this is what he says. He says, this is King David writing, Hear, O Lord, and answer me. Again, kind of like knocking on the door. Hello, God, are you there? He says, for I am poor and needy, and we know physically that he wasn't poor. One of the wealthiest kings uh, that ever lived on the planet. Um, Even before he became a king, he was a shepherd boy, but most people believe that his family wasn't like lower class, projects, needy, poor but more lower middle class to middle middle class, if that makes sense. So uh, most theologians believe when he says, I'm poor and needy, he's talking about his spiritual life. Like I don't have the the, the spiritual wherewithal to be in a place where I can resolve the issues that I'm going through on my own, and I need you. And he says, guard my life, for I am devoted to you. You are my God. Save your servant and trust in you. So even though I'm waiting on you, knocking on the door, God, are you there? He says, I'm still going to trust in you. He says, have mercy on me, O Lord, for I called to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. And then he says this, you are forgiving and good, acknowledging, hey, I make mistakes. I'm a sinful man, and I do need a Savior. I do need your forgiveness. And some of the most prominent prayers throughout the Bible are those of people who start out acknowledging not just their own sin, but the nation of Israel, hey, we as a nation we messed up. We sinned. You had a path that you wanted us on, and we veered from it. He says, you're forgiving and good, O Lord, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Again, hear me. Are you there? Hear my prayer, O Lord, and listen to my cry for mercy. In the day of my trouble, I will call to you, for you will answer me. And here's the thing. There's a difference between, hey, are you home? Now, Think about this. Go back to this scenario. You're, you're waiting. You're knocking on someone's door. You're supposed to have dinner. How long would you wait? They didn't answer your call. They didn't answer your text. How many people would say, oh, it's been 10 or 15 minutes. I'm going home. I'm done. How many people would stay like 20 minutes to half an hour just to wait? A lot of head. <laughs> you must not be as hungry. Because <laughs> if I'm hungry, I'm, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to calculate, it'll take me this long to get to the nearest food place. 
that's how long I'm willing to wait. So if it takes 20 minutes to get to the nearest food place, they got 20 minutes to show up. But uh, here's the thing that David's saying. He's saying, you know what? Uh, I'm going to still wait on you. I'm going to still call to you, for I'm pretty sure you're going to answer. I'm going to keep waiting, even though you haven't yet. He says, among the gods, there is none like you. And we have to remind ourselves, there is absolutely, positively no one like our God. There is no one who can heal like our God, no one who can save like our God, no one who has provided for us like our God. And he says, among the gods, none like you, no deeds can compare to yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, O Lord. They will bring glory to your name. So again, he's trusting in God's future plan, even though he's praying for his current provisional needs. He says, for you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. And he says, teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your path. And that teach me your way, uh, most theologians believe that this isn't, hey, just teach me your word, because we can learn his word, but teach me more of who you are. And if we look, uh, how many guys have seen this movie, um, Food Movies, that's how I preach, uh, The Green Book, anyone seen that? I know you guys have seen it. Um, it it's, it's about, you know, white guy, black guy, how they get to know each other. There is beforehand, there's racism, afterwards, they're friends. Uh, there's another one called The Upside. How many have seen that? Guys, like, just, we're there. Okay, Upside, where um, uh, Kevin Hart, and it's not as much racism as there is just, we don't know anything about you. It's more of classism and racism. Racism, you're poor, poor black guy, rich white guy. But then at the end, they're friends. And if you look at the, the theme in a lot of these movies where they start out with some kind of racial or financial, how many saw Crazy Rich Asians? Okay, yeah. Uh, uh, again, classism. All Asians, but here, we're the super uber crazy rich Asians, and you're the work for a living, my rent is due, I got to go out and earn more money Asians. And in all of those movies, there's one common theme that overcomes that, getting to know one another. Instead of getting to know this perception of who you are as a rich person, as a black person, as a white person, as whatever, it's getting to know you as a person. All the walls come down, and now we can connect. And this is what David is saying here. It's not like, hey, just teach me your word. He says, teach me your ways, because then I will walk in your truth, because God is truth. It's a lot easier for me to understand what God expects of me and to do it when I know a little bit more about God. And he says, give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name and I will praise you, O Lord, my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever and underline that. because This is even if you don't answer my prayer, even if I don't get what I want, even if I keep knocking and I got to go away hungry, I'm still going to glorify your name forever. And here's why he says I'm going to do it. Because great is your love towards me. You have delivered me from the depths of the grave. David acknowledges that, uh, first and foremost, I'm only here because of you. First and foremost, my salvation, because you gave me forgiveness. But also, as king, because of you. He says, the arrogant are attacking me, O God, which means he must have been on Facebook. He says, a band of ruthless men seek my life, which was his day-to-day -day as king, men without regard for you. But you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, which is how God reveals himself to us. You're slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. He says, turn to me, have mercy on me, grant your strength to your servant, which is a real request. Here's what I need. I don't just need you to do this thing. I need you to strengthen me. 
and save the son of your maidservant. He says, give me a sign of your goodness that my enemies may see it and be put to shame. For you, O Lord, have helped me and have comforted me. And here's, here's, here's a couple of things. First thing he says, one of the things he says, it's easier to trust God when there's nothing to pray about, right? When all the bills are paid, I got the greatest job, I'm loving life, uh, me and my significant other, you know, we're cuddling together, we're watching movies, everything's going great, no one's sick. Yeah, I trust God. But when you're having troubles at work, your job is on the line, your health, your family, your children, can you still trust God when you're standing there knocking and it seems like no one's home? And that's what David is crying out. He says, I'm going to trust you forever. I'm going to keep knocking. I'm going to call on you day by day. But here's the thing. I know that you love me. And he ends this not with, hey, you did provide for me. But just, God, I want you to give me a sign. Here's the thing. He goes from this place of, yeah, I don't know if you're home, God, because you haven't answered this prayer. I'm calling on you day after day. But I want you to give me a sign that will move me back to the place where, yeah, I know you're going to answer it. Not, hey, answer the prayer, but just give me a sign. And not only so that I know it, but so that the haters, the people that are, are talking about me, not so that they look and say, hey, look how good I am, but they say, look how good my God is. Because he's answering that prayer. Because God is responding. And that's why I stay faithful to him. So here's, here's the question that, this is a, a couple of things that we all have to kind of look at, because sooner or later, if not, Praise God, if you're in a place where God has answered all your prayers and, and you don't have any lift up, you don't have any needs that are still outstanding, so to speak, where you're still waiting for God to show up, praise God for that. But there's going to come a day where you're in that place, where you're desperately seeking God for either his physical uh, 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 provision to show up in your life or just as David said, just give me the strength just to deal with the day-to-day. -day. And when we do, one of the things that David says in his prayers, just to remember that God is good and merciful and loving. And this is the way God revealed himself uh, when he was talking to Moses in the book of Exodus, chapter 33. Moses said, I beseech you, show me your glory. That word glory means literally your honor or your reputation. We think of the glory of God, the globe, but it's no, your honor, your reputation. Show me what's good about you. And God says, I am going to pass, let all my goodness pass before you, and I'm going to proclaim my name, the Lord, before you. And here's what's good about him, his goodness. I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious, show mercy and loving kindness on whom I will show mercy and loving kindness. Because that's the epitome of the glory of God. His goodness, his graciousness, his mercy, his love. And so David's like, hey, you know what? Uh, I know I'm still waiting for you to answer this prayer, but I'm going to remember that. But then he also says, I'm going to remember that God is consistent. That the same God who showed up, and like he said, uh, who, who, who has put me in this place, the same God who showed up the last time I had a need is the God who's going to show up now. And I'm going to put up verse 13, but I'm going to put it up in the message version. He says, you've always been great toward me. What love? You snatched me from the brink of disaster. God has always been. He doesn't say just great. It's a word that means, I mean, just good. It's a word that means great. It's been phenomenal. You have always been there for me. You have always provided for me. You've always been good to me. You've always shown up for me. So even though I'm still here knocking at the door, waiting on you, I'm still going to trust you. 
And that's the final thing is just to trust that God is going to make a way. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask, uh, if, uh, if just everyone bow your head for a minute. Go old school, bow your head for a minute. And if you have ever, have ever, 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 ever prayed to God and felt like God didn't show up, just raise your hand for a minute. Or maybe you still have outstanding prayers that you're waiting on God for. Yeah, just put your hand up. God, we lift up all of those people, myself included, who have outstanding prayers, who feel like we're knocking at the door and we're just still waiting for you to show up. And we pray that we would remember that you're good and merciful and loving. We pray that you would remind us of every single time that you have shown up in our lives. Every single time where you delivered us, where you provided for us, where you took care of us, that you would never let us forget that. And we pray that as you bring that to mind right now, that we would focus on trusting you and trusting that you're going to make a way. Amen. Now I'm going to ask something else. Because this is going to help those of us who, who, who raised our hands. If you have ever prayed to God and he answered a prayer for you, doesn't matter what it was, just stand up for a minute. If, if, if God's ever answered a prayer for you. Now, for those of us, because, you know, hopefully we didn't see, those of us like me who have said, yeah, I'm still waiting, just looking around, not just at what God has done for me, but what God has done for other people, makes it easier for me to step into that place of trusting that God will make a way. So as the band comes up, I'm going to ask you to bow your head again. God, we thank you again for your provision, for your love, for your consistency. We thank you that even though we don't know how and we may not know when, that we do know and are assured of, first and foremost, your goodness and your love and your mercy for us. That we are assured of the grace that you extend to us. And we pray that even though we don't know how, and we don't know when, that the prayers that we lift up to you, we pray that you would give us that strength, as David said, to trust you and to walk in your path and to look for your provision and know that just as you have provided in the past, that you will make a way in the future. Give us that strength. Give us that faith. Increase our trust and love of you. Reassure us, like David said, give us that sign that you truly are the way and the truth and the life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. No one I believe you are the way, the truth, the
just again thank you for every blessing that you have poured out on us, every promise that you made fulfilled through your word, every time that you showed up when we were sick, when we were hungry, when we were hopeless and helpless, every fear that you removed, every time that you provided, God. And we, we draw on that to put our faith and our hope and trust in you for every prayer, every need, every provision that we are looking for. God, we pray that you would give us that strength, as we said, that confidence, that faith, and trust in you again. And believe that just as you always have been, that you will be the way. You will show us your truth. You will enrich our life. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said amen, amen, amen. Thank you, guys. Pray that you have an awesome rest of your Sunday. God bless. See you next week. Go out and be the church.